The Black Male Archives, where we capture, curate, and promote positive stories about black men. All right. Welcome back to the Black Male Archives. I am your host, Rodney Freeman, and I have with me Omar Rashan. Me and this person, we went to high school together. And but I'm gonna I'm gonna let you I'm gonna let him tell you about you know his life and everything. But it's been long time coming, doing great stuff with the art. So we just want to catch up with him and talk to him and let him share his experience and what he's working with. So Omar, can you tell the people where you're from? Yes. First of all, let me just tell you, thank you for having me. Um, it's, it's an honor to be able to connect with you in this way. Um, you've always been a good friend. I appreciate you uh, for just just checking on me, man, and just making sure I'm good. And so, yeah. Um, so, yeah, to answer your question, I'm from Evansville, Indiana, the southern part of the state. And uh, it's a very unique place to be. Out of all the places in the state of Indiana, Evansville is a very unique place. And for a lot of reasons, because it's the tri-state and it's a lot of historic history there. Um, as we all know, uh, you know, that's where the Indians settled and the historic uh, Ohio River is there. And through that, a lot of segregation, a lot of things historically happened. And so, yeah, um, and we met along that journey growing up, you know, being in Evansville. Because you originally wasn't from Evansville, right? right. Yeah. Right, right. I was from Chicago. Yeah. 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 So when you came in, it was kind of like, you know, it was it was smooth because, hey, we we connected on the football field. But right. I know it was kind of challenging even for you because being yeah. new, not yeah. from there, feel like an outsider. But uh, yep. hopefully we made you feel warm and made you feel like family there. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was very it was very different for me. I had a I had a. Uh, experience there because you know I moved from so many places and everything and you know my dad and with his career and stuff but you know I'm glad that we had a chance to meet and you know when I saw that you were doing art and everything like that and then the art that you did did and and the thing about it we we kind of reconnected back in, in Indianapolis too because you yeah. started off doing your digital art and then you got with uh, uh, Tony uh in doing the uh meet the artists which we're gonna get into but tell me how did you get into art and what inspired you to 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 go in this direction so for me uh my mother and my grandmother was both ceramic artists they did a lot mm. of ceramics and growing up um I was around the Asiatic and African culture through mm. that creative space mm. and my mother she was a, a big time doodler mm. um Back then, they used to smoke cigarettes and have you on their lap and doodle and be on the phone. And that's kind of like what it was like being in the 80s, you know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. and so through that, you know, my mother, I remember as early as five, six years old, she bought me my first coloring set. Mm. And I just fell in love with colors right off the bat and just kind of went at it. And just it always led me somewhere um, in my life um, as long as I stayed participating in being creative. Yeah. And I remember I remember you actually were one of the and this was a couple of years ago, but I remember you actually started off in the digital art space. Can you talk a little bit about that and what that entails? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, now. So basically after high school, um, I went to college. I became a, a commercial designer, graphic designer. Um, at this time, graphic design wasn't as popular and it was really, really traditional as in you know, it was more hands-on, mm-hmm. but it was transitioning into that, that digital era. 
Um, mm-hmm. And that, that's been the blessing of how we came up. You know, what mm-hmm. I mean, we we paralleled into this this space of, you know, analog and digital. So we have a mm-hmm. different understanding on the world than the new world. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, being a visual artist, I just stay consistent. Um, I've always figured out ways to be an artist inside of the commercial design space yeah. um, as an entrepreneur. And recently, though, and I, and I think this might be what you're trying to tap into, mm-hmm. is uh, I've been playing in the space uh, dealing with augmented reality. Uh, mm-hmm. And so that has to do with a lot of what's going on in the metaverse. Mm-hmm. And just for people who don't know what augmented reality is, it's really what Nipsey Hussle was on. Uh, before he died, yeah. um, dealing with how, you know, you can communicate differently through your imagery, you know, rather through your fast, through clothes or through a new way of communicating through art. Mm-hmm. And so I've been exploring that space and I've been really pushing the envelope in how we can use it, how we can use it as business owners, creatives and, yeah. you know, um, yeah, just trying to lead the way. Um, I can't I can honestly say all of this is new. Um, nobody knows what the hell they're doing. Yeah, and that's okay. You right, know? right. That's how Apple was made, and a lot right. of these formulated through the process of just just trying and just getting to know the process. Yeah, man. Because yeah, you know we we doing big. We've been trying to do our stuff with the VR library, and then you know you you doing your stuff with that. So the metaverse is out there, man. What yeah. what you know you 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 have the title uh, entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Uh, dealing with the art entrepreneurship. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Is being also being a businessman too? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I'll I, I speak from a, being an African-American, being, being you know, a black artist. Um, the industry wasn't fair to us. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We've been mm-hmm. disfranchised uh, through this process for as long as we can remember. And it still has this weird thing. And, you know, it doesn't matter because I always knew that as long as I keep going and as long as I have a be a person of integrity, mm-hmm. that opportunities would just literally come to me. And I've always believed in manifestation. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so the entrepreneur, the entrepreneur and the, how they really merge is being a creative. You know, I had to learn how to learn how to be a salesperson or learn how to show up in spaces and learn how to have a conversation and be able to articulate what I do. Mm-hmm. In, in, in a space that a lot of people don't really understand, but they see it every day. And mm-hmm. so through that, I've been able to have success financially as an artist and as an entrepreneur, kind of just merging the two. And mm-hmm. it really prepared me for post-COVID. Mm-hmm. You know, I got joked a lot being a jack of all trades mm-hmm. and people felt like I was a master of nothing. Mm-hmm. It was really wrong. Uh, all I was doing is obtaining experience. A lot of them went to their job and they obtained it differently. For me, it was exploring, always being uncomfortable, always being in a situation where I was forced to have to step up to the plate and learn something new within the industry. Yeah. Or take both industries and merge them together and figure out this new world, which is the world that we're in right now. Right, right, man. You are so you are so spot on when you said that. Just being able to gain that experience. And then, you know, utilize it and apply it to, you know, your your situation. You know, one of the things that I always uh, and I've been following you for a while, I know that you've actually won some awards. Um, and I also want to talk about uh, the um, the um, the Indianapolis uh, 
meet the artists. Uh, mm-hmm. But the awards that you won, tell me about some of those awards because those are kind of unique awards too. And I've also seen something like dealing with some sneakers and stuff like that. Can you talk yeah. to us a little bit about that? Yeah. So, like, you know, I've won a couple of best of shows. Um, I've been a part of some 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 honorable, you know, some mentions um, mm-hmm. as far as like, you know, uh, next up in situations, I guess, you know. Uh, but to be honest, awards mean nothing. The, the, these awards mean nothing. Right. Mm-hmm. Because I truly believe that talking about those things only feed the ego. And mm-hmm. I'm truly doing God's work. That's why I go by all the creator, because I yeah. truly believe that I'm just a vessel and my energy and my nature is important. Because it, it illuminates exactly what God needs me to do. And so I try to demonstrate that spiritually. Um, and art has been definitely a spiritual journey. Okay. Um, so I, I try to walk in a very, very humble space because I, I see a lot of artists, even now, they get caught up in the awards, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I see them losing a part of themselves because they think that these accolades mean something. Yeah. And I learned a long time ago, it don't matter how many degrees you got, um, because the degrees... It's only what, what I mean, it just represents something that you but if you do the work and you yeah. get the experience in that you'll surpass anybody with a degree. You just yeah. gotta be willing to dive into that thing that you wanna be great at. And that that's why I've been a you know, I'm really a, a avid person who's really pushing for literacy because mm-hmm. I've found out that, you know, being a person who's been dealing with disparity disparities for a long time, that I was underserved in that space. And so I had to make up for a lot of that during my college years, reading, you know, being an MC has helped me learn how to formulate words and be creative in that space. But knowing my history and, and, and implementing that into my art played a significant role too. So I had to go do a little extra work than most of my peers because my family just wasn't pushing education. And I was the first to graduate out of high school and college just to add in. Man, tell me, tell me about your journey with the uh, with literacy and reading, man. How was that? Yeah, so you know, I raised myself at fifteen. So when we when we encountered early in high school, I was living on my own, and I remember a lot of us used to laugh at the fact that you know I was in that space, and it, it almost felt like it was a privilege, but it was still um, a challenge, right? And so mm-hmm. through that, you know, I didn't have a lot of time to read because I I was working. Yeah. And I had to show up in spaces to become this thing because I was already in a deficit. I was considered one of those kids that was troubled, right? Mm. And, uh, lived a life of crime and they they put this label on me, but none of it was true. I was just trying to survive. And of course, mm-hmm. you know, being in Evansville was kind of rough at times. And so mm-hmm. it, it was one of those things like I just sometimes can end up in the wrong places at the wrong time. But yeah. I didn't let that deter me from being who I was destined to be that my my siblings and my ancestors and elders at that time instilled in me. You know what I mean? They always said there was something special about me. So I just would take that and run. So the literacy part, um, I started realizing because I was working so much, yeah. I was behind. But I was still, like, it, it was the weirdest thing. The best way I can explain it, Rodney, is mm-hmm. I would go to class mm-hmm. and I would retain so much information then mm-hmm. when it became testing, I could just do well on the test, yeah. right? But when I started dealing with the disparities in life and the challenges, like I was obtaining, you know, um, you know, ways to understand how to deal with my emotion, deal with trauma and things like that during that time. So mm-hmm. I noticed that that was impeding on me 
remembering things after a certain point. So yeah. with my parents not really forced, so my dad was from the South. He didn't really, with him being a, a first child out of plant, uh, you know, I had an older pop that mm-hmm. I had that in there and he mm-hmm. was older. So he was like a first child out of slavery. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so he dealt with all of the, the things that you deal with himself. So he didn't, he had a sixth grade education, right? Mm-hmm. And as long as we was going to school, he was cool with that. And that was just okay. Right. But yeah. For some reason that just didn't make sense for me because I was around other significant individuals that we went to high school with and I seen how their parents was raising them. I was just like, okay, can't blame my parents, but it's something I can do. And right. so it was important for me to go to college, figure yeah. that out. The universe made that possible. And when I went there, I was struggling with some challenges, but I just kept pushing. And yeah. I started understanding something remarkable that was taking place. And that was just me connecting all the dots and just yeah. time to involve myself in reading and being curious about things that I didn't have a chance to do because I was in survival mode for so long. Man, man. And, you know, like I said, we went to high school, but you just never know somebody's story, what they're going through. Like, you know, I mean man, I, I did not know all that. And being able to sit here with you today and just to talk to you about your story and, you know, I'm very appreciative of, of this opportunity. Um, I want to also talk to you about um, mentoring. Like mm-hmm. I know in, in um, Meet the Artists, which is a very big event in Indianapolis, um, I had the, uh, the privilege of when I was working at the Indianapolis Public Library, being on that committee, but also just being able to help preserve some of the 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 wonderful artwork that was there, and um, I know you uh, you and Tony sparked up uh, a relationship. So I wanted just to, just talk to me about how how important was it for you to find a mentor in this space uh, to to help you progress your 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 work and your learning on this. Right, right, and the, the, shout out to you too, Roddy, because I think a big part of what's happening now. Um, all of our brains was kind of moving at the same time. And the work that you did when you was here has really played a big role in what's now about to happen because we have this system now and a lot of things are being archived. And I've been, you know, for a while, like when I realized that you was behind it and when I realized how I think everybody really was and timing was right. I just knew it was it was divine, right? Yeah. And, and Tony had been talking about this for for a long time. I was like, Tony, I think it's crazy that we haven't archived Black history in Indianapolis in no yeah. shape or form. Which that led me into thinking differently. Like now we have the Black Photography Show, right? Oh, and that was the idea that I came up with. I know, started realizing historically Black photographers hasn't haven't been noticed in yeah. Indianapolis yeah. throughout history, right? So. That brought that to the art group and everybody's pushed for it. And now look at it. It's in year two, going to year three. And I, when I hear the replies from the photographers, it's been mind blowing. So Tony Rafford has been intricate in opening up the arts as we know for black artists. And he's an artist too, but also mm-hmm. teaching us how to navigate in this space of hard politics. Mm-hmm. Um, and then giving us the emotional strength to say, Hey, even though these things go on, you still got to push through. And there's yeah. another level to this that you can manage to control. And when he started talking in that way, I knew exactly what he was talking about. Mm-hmm. So I was raised around Dr. Ira Neal, Bobby Gold, Pat Carson, mm-hmm. some of the 
the, the pioneers in my community. And mm-hmm. that's what they was advocating through us for a long time. So he was speaking my language. And now there's like a collective of us, right? And all of us carry that same energy. And we're trying to push other African-American artists through the same pipeline. And it's not only just Tony Rafford, it's Bruce Armstrong, it's uh, Sandra Holiday, which goes, she goes by Majisa. These are mm-hmm. elders, these are pioneers in our community that don't get enough recognition, but they played such a significant role in the history of arts. And in in even some of their siblings as well. Yeah, yeah, man, that's powerful. You know, it just it brought up another question that I want to ask you about as far as black art and black ownership. Mm-hmm. Um, what is that like? You know, making sure that you guys own your artwork, and you know, what what do you? I guess where do you fall on on that? What, what's your thoughts? I think it's it's so important. Um, Historically, we already know there's a lot of institutions who mm. have all of this artwork archived and mm-hmm. we don't even see the light of it. And in some right. of it, important history. Uh, I think right now we're in a space right now we can document this every every step of the way yeah. from the time that we create the piece, from the time that it gets its final gloss finish on it to when it hits the gallery floor to mm-hmm. when it actually gets sold, right? So that's the beauty in being where we at. This documentation can happen. And then not even that, we have systems like that you have helped develop. And now we can archive this. And that's where that level of like, yeah, this person did do this. Look, Mm -hmm. we can go back 1996. This person did it. And it's there. Right. So that's why this is so important. That's why these conversations are so valuable, because we have a system in place now that now. We can, I mean, for some people, bragging rights, for some people to get history right, right? Because yeah, yeah. we know through COVID and through that Black, you know, Black Lives Matter thing, yeah. right? When that went on, that was important to, to archive that. And historically, yeah. we're going to see a lot of things that we didn't see. That yeah. diversity inclusion thing, that didn't yeah. last long. And historically, we're going to be able to see that, right? Right, right. Well, that's the games. They can play whatever game they want to play. But historically, as long as we create art and do it in the time, you know, being present with it, it's going to yeah. always reveal the truth. And that's what I love about art. Yeah, man. Man, you're speaking so much. man. It's, it's so much that you talked about that. I'm like, yes, yes. Uh, but I, I, uh, <laughs> saying this, I, I did come up with the, the thing about I want to ask you about your feelings around NFTs and, and, and what, how do you feel and what do you see? Uh, right now we see how they're being used as, you know, the platforms where, you know, people are just making them and selling them. But right. what, what do you see for the future of NFTs? I think it could be more than that, but that's my thoughts. But what are yeah. your thoughts? Um, let me just say, I haven't sold one yet. I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to being, um, hitting that plat, you know, hitting that little mark of being like, man, I officially sold the NFT. Okay. Part of it is I haven't really pushed it, but I'm in these spaces where I have a few NFTs listed. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's really about build, building a portfolio in that space. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, the reason why I'm kind of excited, it reminds me of the era when we used to do trading cards, baseball yeah. cards. and yeah. So that, that, that's fun to me. You know yeah. what I mean? I'm, I've always been a, uh, a nostalgia collector in a certain sense. Right. Yeah. And, being the person who played baseball and, and really loved the game, um, it just brings back those old memories. And and so here's the thing. 
it gives everybody the opportunity to get a piece of history too. If they mm-hmm. really follow artists, uh, they get a chance to be a part of an amazing experience. For me, me and my brother, we have a company called Elevated Culture. Part of that framework that you're speaking on is going to be implemented into that. So when you buy one of our NFTs, you'll have access to get certain things that the public won't have access mm-hmm. to. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we throw events, you'll have a, if you have one of our NFTs, if it fits within the streamline of this, you'll get access to that. We have our own wine company now. So we're, we're looking at looking at partnerships of certain venues that say, hey, if anybody come in here with this NFT, let them get a free glass of wine yeah. of, of, of the Renendo because yeah. this, this is part of this connected to the NFT. So yeah. we're streamlining those type of things because we know we can see where this thing can go. And this is about leverage, right? This is about building something up that has so, so much value that your, your children can benefit from this in a way because of the work that you do right now. And so, like I said, all of this is new. We all learning, but it's about sharing information and, and us getting to a place to where, Hey, let's collaborate on this project. Yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean, and yeah, it just yeah. see where it goes. But man, it's it's fun, it's exciting. Um, I, a lot of the products that I'm gonna be coming out with in 2023 will be backed by an NFT through the experience and through our metaverse that we're trying to build as well. Uh, which we're gonna be in the. I don't know. Have you heard of 16 Tech here in Indy? Uh no, I have not. I have not. Tell yeah, me yeah. about that. Tell me about yeah, yeah, tell me about your projects and what you guys are working yeah, on. Yeah, so 16 Tech got some really amazing things going on over there. I'm actually a part of the street team. And the uh Sebeko, he's 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 leading the way over there. And what what what's going on is the area that I live in, which is um the area code of uh Four six two zero eight in Hogville, that Hogville area. Uh, Sixteen Tech, which is Amphitheater, have now planted a seed, right? And I know a lot of people are against it, um, which I can understand why. But at the end of the day, I know historically things are going to continue to move forward. So it's either you kind of figure out how we can leverage what we have, yeah, and and use that to our advantage to empower our people. And I mm-hmm. think. Well, what they doing over there with the flannel house, I think they figured out how to make those things work. So it's like, okay, if you're going to be in the neighborhood, so much of, of the taxes need to go back into the community in some type of way because we have, this community has been disfranchised and you are building something in our community, right? That mm-hmm. can ultimately help us if everybody look at the partnership right, utilize or use the grants or use funding right, then mm-hmm. we can make the community we can empower the community and right. that's part of what they over there doing. Um, they're trying to educate people on the opportunity. This is going on, on over there. They got different grants. Like right now is a grant that you can get and apply for. If you live in a neighborhood, um, you can get up to 25,000, you know, mm-hmm. just as an entrepreneur, an entrepreneur, however you want to put it yeah. and take advantage of that. What a yeah. good idea. They will support that. And that's the type of thing that 16 tech is over there doing. They're trying to make sure they, be a part of this next innovation thing that's that mm-hmm. and from what I'm hearing, you know, in these meetings and these conversations, just so the black community black community can have an understanding, Indianapolis wants to be the next tech city 
in the Midwest. From here to Louisville, there's a lot of conversation and creating this. That, that's what the whole highway and that gateway to from here to Louisville, that's what that's all about. Mm-hmm. This is a, uh, they recognize some things that happen in Silicon Valley, but they also recognize what we can do here. And as soon as Salesforce bought that tower and put that up, that was the, that was the beacon. That was the bat symbol. So yeah. a lot of us who are not in the tech space, we didn't recognize that. But for mm-hmm. some of us who was, which I was, I had mm-hmm. a blessing to be a, uh, one of my buddies who went to IU and he's from South Bend. Mm-hmm. He was at the, he's a big part of how Salesforce ended up here. You know, yeah. he was at the top of the food chain and the work that he put in and the stuff that they was doing behind the scenes helped elevate where we at now. And now I just say, I'm moving towards the tech space. Mm-hmm. I'm the books, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I've always been a person who wanted to write books and a lot of my friends like you have inspired me to want to step my brother. He's wrote two books. Yeah. He inspired me and I'm a part of a group called MU Manifest University and a lot of, there's a lot of amazing authors that's going on and, and that's creating in that space too. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's really about figuring out how to, for me, let me just say that, for me, it's really about figuring out how to merge the two, which I think I have with tech and art and even yeah. music, you know what I mean? Yeah. They all coexist in some way. Man, Omar, this has been great, man, just getting to talk to you and kind of see the the awesome stuff that you got planned and just, you know, being able to I mean, have memories of you back in high school and then now see you here, you know, both of us, you know, so I'm just glad that we had a chance to talk uh, before we before we depart, though. Can you tell the listeners um, about some of your upcoming exhibits or, you know, where they can follow you on social media? Yeah. So you can definitely follow me under Omar Rashan. That's O-M-A-R. Uh, Rashan, R-A-S-H-A-N. And I'm also I go by O the Creator. Um, you can find me through that. You can Google me, it'll pull up. Um, and then the latest exhibit, I'm curating an exhibit right now called Universal Drip. It's at the Central Library of Indianapolis, Indiana. Uh, it's featuring me, Gary G, Quasar, um, uh, Michi Shakur, and uh, Fanger Creations, which is, uh, you go by Kenneth. Um, and so, yeah, man, um, it's a lot of, and, and, and did I say Gary G? And Tony Rafford, too, my father, mm-hmm. and, yeah. and T Rad. And so um, it just happened to come together in that way. And, and so this is my second year curating this, my um, show at the Central Library. I have the honor to do another year. So, and then I'm at the Indiana Landmarks right now, showing in a 3D show. And I'm part of Flavor Fresh, which is a show that will continue for the rest of the year as well. Awesome, man. Awesome, man. This is this is really good, man. I'm glad that we had a chance to connect. I want to definitely continue us the, the, the conversation because I definitely can see some some collaboration with the metaverse and, and, and all of that good stuff. So, man, thank you so much again for being on the Blackmail Archives where we capture, curate and promote positive stories about black men, which you are one of. Thank you, Omar, for being on the podcast. Thank you. Appreciate you. Thank you for everybody that's listening. Thank you, Rodney, for having me. It's been an honor, my brother. Thank you. Same here. All right.